Imagine having access to a tribe of mentors consisting of some of the best tech leaders in the world, people you may have never heard of, but who in just an hour, you'll know their unfiltered career story, the bets they took, the decisions they made, where they failed, and the lessons that they learned along the way. Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. Hi, I'm Tolu, aka The Podfather, and I'm the host of What Makes You Tick. And I am Richard Washington. I'm the owner of Tick Talent. We're delighted to bring you this week's episode. So this week's episode is with Pete Hill. What did you think of this episode, Rich? People are going to love this episode. And not just because Pete's got the single best setup that we've seen so far. So His just microphone from an auditory perspective, crispy, it will be a beautiful experience. Yeah. But yeah, Pete's, Pete's about my age and lives okay. about five minutes away, though I hadn't met him until a couple of months ago okay. when we were working together on some um, recruitment strategy. And um, he's just this amazing guy who's had this fantastic career. It's exactly the sort of person that we wanted to find when we did this podcast. He has been involved in more entrepreneurial journeys and stories than most people through his whole career. And what he got really lucky with was that he found at the start of his career an incredible founder, a brilliant guy called Matt Hawkins who he grew up with through the first business. Now they've started this incredible startup that will change the world, mm. which is called Kudo. Um, so it's been a pleasure to get to know Pete and hear what these guys are doing in terms of their business. Definitely want to follow. We'll make sure we include the links below. From your perspective, Tolo, from speaking with Pete, apart from the fact he's got an incredible headphone, headset and microphone setup that you're very jealous of, yeah. <laughs> what did you like the most? So I really like the mission that Kudo is on. Um, and then the other thing I quite liked actually was what you mentioned about, you know, he's stayed basically with the same founder throughout his whole career, which is quite rare, especially in, mm. in the world we live in now. So I found that really, really interesting, but he's also had amazing growth um, working for this founder. Mm. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed the episode, really like what Kudo are building. So yeah, all around great episode. And my only thing is, is his mic gonna sound better than mine? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Pete. <laughs> so yeah, so exactly. If you want to hear an incredible inspirational career story of someone who loves that startup journey, the stuff that we love so much, Pete's an amazing example. So without further ado, let's roll the VT. Pete, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So the first question we normally ask is, Pete, what makes you tick? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, a good microphone is always a good start, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm putting on my very best radio voice. Uh, what makes me tick? Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, if we if we're talking about kind of from a, a personal life point of view, then um, it's I love snowboarding. Uh, I love you know seeing parts of the world. Uh, I don't get to do enough of that at the moment because you know we're right in the thick of startup life and i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get into that in a moment um but you know it's you know, seeing the different cultures uh meeting yeah. new people I'm, I'm a very social person um okay. and so yeah and anything that involves you know going out seeing friends having a party going somewhere in the world meeting new people hitting yeah. the mountains whatever that's going to be that's that, that that definitely makes me tick from a from a from a work point of view it's um uh, I love to be challenged. Um, I think uh, there's there's um, there's definitely two types of people in this world: those that would sure. uh, feel much much um, more secure and 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 uh, prefer to be in that kind of 
larger company corporate type environment um uh, and then the, the the crazy ones are like been in startup and i'm in, i'm in that <laughs> in that last category i sometimes have to wonder what i'm doing but it's uh yeah it's good fun uh, it's fast paced uh, especially in the technology sector where it's just constantly evolving and moving so quickly uh, you have to be on your toes you have to keep learning um you make mistakes um you know you have to dust yourself off and uh, pick yourself up and the team up and like like let's go again let's do this but I think that that uh, there's order within that chaos, you know, and um, <laughs> hopefully, and yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it, it just, yeah, that that's that's definitely what makes me tick. Do you think there are a lot of parallels between snowboarding? Because you were talking about, you know, in a startup, you kind of got to you get knocked down, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and you go again. Do you think there's a lot of parallels between that and snowboarding? Uh, yeah, well, I, I actually probably have to pick myself up and dust myself off more snowboarding than uh, in the startup <laughs> life. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, but yeah, I, I guess there's, there's always those occasions you're you're going down the mountain. You could be you could be on skis as well, but you're going down the mountain, and suddenly someone in front of you takes a different direction to what your your mind has mapped out, and uh, you know it's uh, you you have to. You have to adapt very, very, very quickly. So I guess yeah, yeah. there are some there are some parallels in there. And every now and then you get it wrong and you hit a tree. So <laughs> I have never been brave enough to be on a mountain strapped to anything. So whether it's skis or snowboarding, my mind can't quite quite compute the fact that I'm gonna be strapped to a board, can't quite get out and I'm just gonna be hurtling down a mountain. I've never quite gotten over that. Yeah, it's, you should give it a go. You know, I think I think uh, sometimes the mental block is is bigger than the physical block. So when when you yeah. can get past that, and and uh, I, I I I know this is not a snowboarding podcast, by the way, but it's yeah. uh, you know it's, it's quite an interesting subject for me. But when you that that first time you ever um, you know put those bindings on and you 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 fasten them up and you stand up, you're not hurtling down a mountain. You're going at 0.0002 miles per hour and actually you're more unstable because you're not moving <laughs> yeah, that's true so it's uh yeah i think um they um they definitely don't start you on the on the on the black runs to, to to begin with um you're you're pretty much on a flat base and it's just about can you actually stand up with the dead still and then okay. and then go for okay. it so you should give it a go you give it a go come with me maybe We'll have some fun. Maybe one day we could go snowboarding. <laughs> I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. So have you always worked in startups or did your career kind of start in a bigger company and then you transitioned? How did you how did you get yeah. to start? Yeah, so I I, uh, I left university in 2008 um, and uh, I did actually apply for Microsoft to do this kind of postgraduate okay. um, job. And, you know, when, how old was I? 20, 23 at the time and um i was particularly attracted to that uh, role because it was uh, i think 6 months in sydney 6 months wow. in um in washington in the us okay. uh, a year somewhere else so it was a two year postgraduate program and uh you got to travel a bit of the world and obviously it's, it was microsoft it was you know mm. i'd done a, a computer and internet technology degree and you know oh, microsoft wow. was like the gold standard out there for uh, for companies in in the IT space, and it was yeah, it would have been yeah really really cool to to get the job there. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, there was eleven thousand applicants for seven places. And wow! Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, eleven thousand applicants. The first the first kind of screening was a was telephone interview, um, and then you know that they obviously whittled that down quite heavily, and then 
on the day, got invited up to the Microsoft Reading uh, office in the UK. And there were 300 of us, I think, something in, in that line. It's like, okay, so it's gone from 11,300. So, okay, yeah. this, is, this is good. Um, and uh, they don't tell you what the format of the day is. Um, so I get there and uh, the first thing is you're ushered straight into a room. And there's about five of these kind of giant rooms where they'd split everyone up and you'd, you'd go into them. And you sit down and you do the psychometric test, right? And so, oh, okay. And then everyone gets lined up afterwards outside. It's almost like one of those kind of shooting galleries. It's kind of what it felt like it was going to be. Um, and, you know, that that took it down to about 50 people from the 300. Right. Okay. Um, so it's quite brutal, you know, when you, when you yeah. kind of think of it. Um, and then the next stage was uh, um, you know, an interview in front of three people. And I think it's like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. And then that whittled it down to another bit. And then, you know, I remember at the end of the day, there was, I think there were uh, 15 of us uh, for the last stage. I was thinking, I've, I've got a genuine chance here yeah. uh, of yeah. uh, this, this, is, this is going really well. So, um, you know, the next stage was they opened a the door, walked in as an individual. There's no lights on in this room. There's no windows in this room. It's very dark. There's, but there's this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And there was just this bright red LED that I could see, right? And because yeah. the the room was so dark, you can, it was like, what is that red LED attached to? Is it a screen on the wall? Is it? So you could just about had enough kind of lighting from that LED. You could just make out that it was a, it was a, it was a camcorder facing. And I, okay. All right. So this is going to be. <laughs> I don't know if they're watching this in real time or they're yeah, recording it, yeah. but they're, 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 they're based, there's no script here. So do I try and be funny and come up with a joke? Yeah. Uh, do I tell them about how I think technology is going to evolve and what it's going to look like in 10 years? I mean, there was no instructions. It was kind of, you know, so it's quite interesting. So I, I genuinely, I can't remember what I said in there, but um, usually when I'm in that kind of situation, I, 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 I go more towards the comedy side of things okay. and, and, and okay. crack a joke and maybe they got some of my personality in, in that, but I didn't get the job. So whatever I did in there, <laughs> it didn't work. And then I can remember phoning back for feedback and, um, uh, and saying, look, I got down to, you know, I was within yeah. the final 15 um it'd be just useful to have some feedback i'm you know i'm not bitter at all it's there was obviously you know seven positions there were seven people that were better than me i'm absolutely fine with that um and they said um well no actually the the you got down to number eight is it eight or nine um but, oh my um, gosh. we we actually gave the seven to those who had done an internship there for the last year because they had more experience than myself so so this this whole thing was just a pencil pushing exercise. Then, yeah. I mean, I mean that's a very expensive pencil pushing exercise when you already know which seven you're going to hire before. That's why. Right? That's why. So, um, so anyway, so um, I was uh, that weekend going uh, to a friend's go karting. Uh, who's having a birthday and who's going go karting at um, Thruxton. If anyone hasn't been there before go it's amazing uh outdoor karting it was raining as well so we could power slide anyway that's a story <laughs> for another day so we're on the we're on this journey up and my friend matt is sat next to me and i've known matt for about six or seven years and uh i'm telling him this story about microsoft and he said oh um what what what, what did you do at uni then so i said told him when i did computer and internet technology he goes, oh 
you know I run a, a data center network company? No way. I was like, I've known you for six or seven years. I don't think I've actually ever asked. And you've never asked me. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Do you want to start on Monday? Um, so that's how I got my, yeah. Wow. So that was, that was how I entered, you know, kind of C4L and, and started with working from that. So yeah, to bring it back to, around to your original question, you know, when I, when I started at C4L, it was, um, it was a, it was a startup still, um, although it had been around for six or seven years by that point. Um, you know, if I, if I look at kind of revenue, it was kind of very early stage scale up. Let's, let's put it that kind of way. Um, uh, you know, very little processes in place and stuff like that, but we did have products. There was revenue. We did have customers uh, coming in. Uh, team was small. I think there was about ten of us at, at the time, and uh, we were probably doing around about one one point five million revenue a year or, or something along those lines at that stage. Um, and then we really kind of took that business, and um, we first one of the first things we did was we changed the sales into uh, channel sales instead of direct sales, and because of the type of products that we were selling was was very well you know suited to that um and uh we ended up scaling that business to um around about 65 70 staff um and then it was sold in 2016 for uh, you know in the region of kind of 20 22 million pounds or something like that so um uh, so you know so i feel like we took that from uh a late stage startup or early stage scale up, you know, right through to the point where it's sold. And when it was sold, it was part of a merger and acquisition. Um, right. And uh, that became a listed company, um, you know, with the with the uh, other service provider that was kind of merged uh, with became a listed company. So I saw that whole kind of, um, you know, all the three yeah. different phases, if you like, um, as, as that went through. Um and uh you know when it became that listed company i was I, I stayed on for you know about a year after that and it was no it's not for me uh i need we need to get that startup mode <laughs> so we sat down we had a conversation we're like we need to get that startup mode and uh yeah. and then you know that was that was how kudo was born and 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 uh it was born out of that kind of will to 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 get back to the roots but also because we thought we could actually solve the problem that we saw 10 years ago uh, within that business. Mm. Now that technology has evolved a bit further and why not? We've now got the perfect opportunity to go back and, uh, and solve that. So that's what we did. That's what we're doing. That's amazing. I, I want to get onto Kudo but in a second, but I think I might've missed something. So how did you decide to get into sales? Because you did more of a kind of a technology degree. So how did yeah. you decide that you wanted to be in the sales side of it as opposed to the kind of the tech side of it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, so I know I did a very technical degree, but, um, before I started that course, I was, uh, I wouldn't say I was computer illiterate. I just never really used a computer to any great extent. I wasn't a gamer when I was younger. Um, I was, uh, I was that year at school that was basically a year before any IT came, became compulsory. Yeah. Uh, okay. All the way throughout, even when I went to college, it wasn't compulsory at that point. Um, in fact, I, I, I remember very, very well in, in year nine. So anyone that's not in the UK, was that 13 years old or, or something? Yeah. And we were in a, a woodwork class of all things. And they just GDT. had 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, just had yeah, 20 yeah. new computers, you know, installed in this room because it was also going to be a, an IT class, although that wasn't mandatory yet. There were people that were starting to choose IT. And um, and uh, someone had found hamster dance on the internet, 
um, and then all of these twenty machines were on, and we were just watching hamster dance. So that that is that was my IT lesson at school, and my introduction to the internet yeah. was hamster dance, right? Which uh, I'm not even sure that's a live thing, you know, but it was quite funny at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, um, when I finished uh, school. Um, you know, one thing I'd always wanted to do from as early as 11, 12 years old was go and travel. Um, okay. So I, I, I went to college, I did more kind of on the uh, physical education side and um, other courses. Uh, and then, you know, went off to Australia, did a bit of traveling, came back, had a few jobs. Um, I was building the McLaren Mercedes SLR. So, you know, for, wow. you know, working within a factory doing kind of composite laminating. So yeah, extremely, <laughs> extremely different. Yeah. And this is, you know, 18, 19, I think this is, is quite normal back then anyway. Um, and, uh, and, but I was coming to Bournemouth every week. I had a, a good, um, social circle in, in, in Bournemouth and we were, you know, we were going out to the local clubs and stuff and, mm. And, um, I just really wanted to, uh, come live here, but also give myself that kind of challenge. So I was looking through the Bournemouth uni, uh, perspective and, um, uh, computer and internet technology. And I was thinking, Oh, that could be a challenge. So I signed up to it and they accepted me. They let me in. So, and, and I, I remember that first lesson, just going in, just going, what have I done? I, I'm, I'm looking around going, you know, everyone in here is a couple of years younger than me. Um, yeah. and you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're all, they're already, you know, bringing things up on a computer that I've never seen before. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? But, you know, I think when yeah. you, when you take away that kind of interface, if you like, and, and you, and you start looking behind the scenes and then you kind of apply that logical bit of your, uh, of your head as like, right, if yeah. let's, let's talk networks, for example. Oh, so we've got to get from A to B. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if I've simplified it, so I've got to get A to B right now, how do I transport it from A to B? And suddenly it becomes, you know, it's, it's, it's more, it's more logical. And that was kind of, you know, better suited to my brain. But the one bit I just never got was programming. I, I could, I could look at that all day long. Um, and I would still be reading the same line or the, or the next line just going, I, no, this is not for me. And, and I think it was in that moment, there were six modules and programming was one of those six modules. And it was in that moment I just went. I think I'm better suited to the sales side of IT. <laughs> but I would say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly technical on the, on the, on the sales side, but um, enough to be dangerous anyway. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, certainly, you know, uh, I take my hat off to, to you know, all the developers, not only in in Kudo, but you know, all the developers out there in the world, because it, it's, it's, uh, different. it's, it's, it's different. so, it's phenomenal. It's so impressive. It's, um, yeah, uh, big, big respect. Yeah. So I'm maybe a little bit more technical, so I can do a little bit of coding, but I can do like SQL, which is pretty chill. But then I see some of the stuff people are doing and I'm just like, you guys are built differently because I yeah. don't know how you can just do that all day, every day. It's, it's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I met, I met them. So in London this week, I met, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the core developer that invented stable diffusion or wrote stable diffusion like a and, uh, it's like <laughs> rock star, absolute yeah. rock star. <laughs> <laughs> And if if anyone wants to go on YouTube and learn, you know how the how the, the, the kind of basics for that, it's you'll you'll see what I mean when I'm when I'm calling him a rock star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd love to know a bit more about Kudo and what it mm. does. Yeah, so um, so and Kudo is an ecosystem. So we've got um, we've got a couple of different products within that ecosystem. But you know the the the, the 
at the core, it's a distributed cloud computing platform. So, you know, what that means uh, from a kind of 30,000 foot view, if you like, is yeah. that if you think of Airbnb, I don't know if you, um, if you've got a spare room, you've got a spare house, you can, you can put that onto the Airbnb marketplace. And on the other side, there are people looking for rooms or houses to, to rent, uh, and they can buy that from the marketplace. And that's what we've done with, with cloud computing. So, uh, we work with um, you know tens, hundreds. It will scale up to you know thousands of different um, suppliers on one side, um, and uh, they have infrastructure in either data centers or um, you know some of them have actually got uh, infrastructure in places like public swimming pools, right? Um, and this is I'll come wow. back to that one in a moment because it's a really cool yeah. use case. But um, you know, so so and and. But, you know, in the future, this would also include things like laptops and gaming PCs and consoles and EVs or whatever it's going to be. So wherever there's computing power. Um, so we've created the software that can aggregate all of that supply and make it available to right. the consumer, to, to that customer that needs to go and run an AI workload or needs to yeah. render the latest uh, animation or is carrying out a scientific simulation or streaming the game or something like that. So, you know, our life... Um, over the last 10, 15 years has, has become even more so, more so uh, dependent yeah. on the internet and cloud services. And um, that is scaling so exponentially fast um, that we, yeah, you know, by, 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 doing, by creating a distributed cloud, it means that we have that kind of global scale from, from day one, uh, essentially. And it means for those suppliers as well, that supplier might be... In Santiago, in Chile, and they're just servicing the the Chilean market. But now, through our software, they've actually got a global market. So it's um, you know, wow. so that's the kind of uh, the the benefit to them. Um, so that was that was kind of one area. And the, and the second reason we we kind of done it as a distributed cloud is because um, we the very our ethos is all around sustainability um, okay. and uh, a heavy, heavy, heavy part of the carbon footprint of a server if we consider it over its entire lifetime, so let's say its lifetime is seven years, five or seven years or something along those lines, um, the carbon footprint, 70% of that is actually in the manufacturing of it. Uh, so before it's even turned on, right? Because wow. the data centers are typically getting cleaner um, in, yeah. in their power yeah. sources, et cetera. So there's a, there's a heavy, heavy carbon footprint for, for manufacturing it. So if we can make better use of what's already existing already and there. already out there, then that's, um, that, that's a good thing for the planet. Um, so coming back to the swimming pool one because oh, it, it's yeah. quite cool. So we we we, we started working with um, they're over the uh, they were on the BBC actually they had an article on the BBC and there's um, um, but they they're installing these kind of mini clusters server clusters if you like so let's say four or five servers or something along those lines with with high speed GPUs in you know AI is exploding and and that means cool. that there's a lot of GPU computing that's required so graphics cards because they have to. Um, they have to execute things in a kind of parallel way. So you need all that kind of processing power. And, uh, and you know, these, these, these servers expel a lot of heat uh, because yeah. they're working so damn hard, right? And, right? and so you've got public swimming pools, and I'm going to use UK as an example because, you know, anyone here, we've all seen the, how much electricity prices have gone up. These public swimming pools yeah. are, are, are in a critical situation at the moment where they can't afford to, yeah. to heat themselves. So, you know, having this symbiotic relationship with a kind of mini wow. data center provider means the heat yeah. from the servers can heat the swimming pool. 
and wow. the and the and the call from the swimming pool can call the servers. So you have this kind of symbiotic relationship. It's called heat reclamation. It's uh, yeah. and and you can actually get towards a kind of net zero, potentially even carbon negative um, computing as well, because obviously they're not having to uh, use gas to 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 heat up mm. the swimming pool if the if the servers are doing that on on their behalf. So yeah, it's it's really cool. There's there's stuff like that. There's you know we're seeing other use cases like um, uh, processing power inside radiators and, and stuff like that. So instead of again turning the gas on, you turn <laughs> turn the the electric on, and it's uh, but but wow. no, sorry, you're you're powering the, the 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 server which is inside the data center, which is what's creating the heat. But then that's also doing something useful. So there's yeah some really 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 cool innovative tech that's that's coming out and um, being distributed means that we can tap in to all of that. And that's that's very much the goal of Kudo. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. My mind is like, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. And so along your journey, how did you learn to be a good salesperson? So where did that skill set come from? Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's, I guess, you know, you're, there's always kind of a, a little bit of that in you to begin with, right? If you're, if you're kind of a natural salesperson, um, then I think a lot of that is kind of nature, right? So it comes back to that kind of nature, nurture Versus type nature, question. Yeah. Um, and then, and then really is experience, um, you know, after that, I mean, one of the key mistakes that, you know, salespeople, uh, do is they don't listen and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've been told you quite a lot, so yes, yeah. I, I understand they don't listen sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the salesperson is that is that they're, they're speakers, right? They're, they're they're typically a little bit extroverted, or sometimes they're very much extroverted, and that's that's why they're good at what they do because they 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 you know they have that confidence to to kind of to speak to hold a room to can yeah, to but that can go too far, and uh, there's very bad examples and. Um, and, uh, if, if you, uh, if you're the one that's speaking the most in the meeting, I realize this is a podcast I'm speaking a lot, but, but if there's a, meant to be speaking a lot, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're speaking a lot in the meeting, you're probably not doing a very good job at, you know, sales. And, um, it's really about just kind of stepping back and listening and you can find out so much just from, from, from listening and just, just keep on asking, you know, what and how those kind of open questions that you're going to find out a lot more about what the pain points are, mm. um, who, who, who they're using, um, where they're going, what's the vision, um, you know, what the structure is, all, all those kind of things you're, you're going to find out naturally if you just sit back and listen just every now and then interject with a kind of what and how and, uh, and, and go from there. Um, so that's that's kind of one element, but the, the other element is just attention to detail, right? It's um, I, I think you know, there's we live in a very very busy world. Everyone's moving at a million miles an hour. There's conferences, especially in the space that we're in, you know, on a weekly basis, and um, you know, quite often you'll have to get off a call and jump straight onto another call, and there's in that time in between that, and uh, things get lost. They they slip down the cracks. You know, we're we're all humans at the end of the day, and um, as much AI tooling as there is coming out, that's helping and giving us productivity boosts and everything like that. Um, you know, we are humans and we, and we forget things. So it's really really important to kind of set that time aside that you can actually just you know go right. Okay, so this is 
this is the opportunity. What, what are the steps to get there, right? Everyone can open an opportunity, but closing it's a very, very different thing. And that's the process that you have to go through and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of different things. But I'd say, you know, there's a little bit of nature in there. And then there's a lot of nurture in that experience, that training, working with others, mentors, watching other people. Um, just like a it's just like a premier league footballer right you know the 19 year old will come in and they'll score some wonder goals and they'll do a lot of step overs that are not needed but if you watch that same player again when they're 26 27 all of that's gone yeah. from their game but the output is a lot higher mm. Mm. i love that i love that and you'd mentioned briefly about mentors so i would love to know like who are some of the people that really impacted you in terms of mentorship and feel free to name them by name because this is a good yeah thing. yeah good I mean I, I'd say like the, the the biggest mentor uh, that I've had and it's I think is you know I've worked so closely with him since all the way back in 2008 is is Matt himself right so okay. um, you know our CEO um, here and he was the founder of the previous company C4L um, but a very very I mean he's uh, he's a technical um an engineer by trade right so he's 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 got the technical brain um, but he's also been through every single stage of company and you know by himself since the mid 90s um and what he's been wow. building so he he is probably the best marketer out there he's you know probably the best salesperson out there he's the, the kind of very much up there on the engineering side uh, he understands mm. kind of product flow he he, mm. he could he could be a cfo if he wanted to right so wow. So, um, and, uh, so, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot you can learn by surrounding yourself with, um, with, with, with people like that. And I've been fortunate to, to have known Matt and been able to learn from him, but I would say my peers around me as well, you know, I, 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 I learn uh, a lot from our CTO who was also at the last business as well. So a guy called Andrew, uh, Andrew Sturmey and, and, uh, you know, my colleague, uh, Nuno is, uh, is a ferocious hunter out there on the, you know, on the kind of sales and, uh, and, and channel side. And, um, but you know, even, even new people that come in that have come from another company and they've seen a process done in a different way, or they've approached mm. things in a different way. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to start building that into how I do things. So it can come from everyone. It doesn't have to be the CEO of the company, right? You can learn things off you know, uh, um, uh, someone that's coming in a junior role in, 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 in at, the, at the same time. So always, always open to, to learning. And then I guess when looking kind of outside of those that I've worked immediately with, um, you know, our, our, uh, ecosystem is, is crosses a lot of different spaces. So mm. you have tech, you have cloud computing, you have sustainability, mm. we've got mm. our own blockchain. So now you've got cryptocurrency yeah. and you've got web three and, it, it's you know tokenization you've, you've, it's, it's such a broad range that there's there's just so many impressive people in all of these different areas and i always try and absorb as as as, as much as i can um yeah i mean the, the list the list could go on really i mean I, I, my mind is empty i can't think of any names right now but but the list could go on really um but there's always yeah there's a, there's a handful of people that have ever wanted to just a a little bit of advice i would um i would i would call them up and i know that i can just get straight into that conversation and 30 mm. seconds a minute in they've just kind of either validated something or said no don't mm. do it that way or have you considered and that's a good thing about mentor have you considered, have you considered doing it that way yeah 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 i think that's so powerful to have you considered because it's not an instruction it's not 
super like how could you not have thought of it it's very measured and it yeah. makes you really think about what you're doing so I, I really i really appreciate that about mentors excellent yeah what do you think so, have you considered yeah 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 so you'd mentioned about with um c4l you went from kind of a smaller staff to like 60 70 people what was your journey in terms of leadership within that so what role did you mm -hmm. come in as did you start leading people straight away was that a bit of a journey for you to get to that yeah, so I came in as a as a junior sales. You know, I was fresh out of university. Um, I'd done this computing degree, but um, this was the first time in the industry. And you know, and in in that degree, we weren't learning what a data center was. We didn't learn what co location was. So now we've we've gone from you know the uh, understanding the um, uh, the technology to now learning what the product is. Right. So you know, two different two different things. Um, and so I came in as a junior sales. I was, I had three or four other salespeople around me, which I, you know, we were in a tiny little room. We were in a basement. If it rained, it flooded. Um, wow. uh, it was, you know, very early stage and it, it was, we, we, the, the camaraderie was amazing, right? We all got on really well. We're in this tiny room, mm. but you know, there were four very, very different, uh, salespeople with different, uh, techniques. Mm. And, and so, you know, just absorbed that. I learned a lot from, uh, from, from, from those. And we're all still really good friends now. Um, and then, yeah, I think we, within about a year of me starting, that was when we moved to a bigger office. You know, we, we hired more staff. We came you know, a bit, bit more mature as a, as, as a company. And in, in that sense, we, 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 um, we're starting to land bigger clients, more enterprisey type uh, clients. Um, and um, I've forgotten what your question was, too. <laughs> so it was, um, so it was, what was your journey to leadership? So right, when okay, did you start yeah, leading yeah, people? Yeah. yeah, so it was at that point that we, we kind of sat down. We, we, we said, um, right, um, let, let's, how are we going to go from this kind of one and a half million to 10 million, let's say, in revenue per year? Um, and uh, let's, let's look at channel. Um, and I kind of put myself forward for, for, for the current running the channel. Um, and, um, and yeah, so this was about a year in and then I became the, the, the channel, uh, manager. So the Matt, well, the manager of the, the, the channel, um, program that we had there. Um, and then that kind of developed and, you know, as we scaled that, we brought about 150 channel partners within, within two years. Wow. Um, started to grow that team. Then I kind of, uh, was promoted into kind of channel director. And, uh, and we, 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 by the time we actually sold the business, we had about 90% of our revenues were coming in through channel. So we really did do that, that kind of transition there. Um, and then, uh, that business was sold and, uh, we knew we wanted to go and start, you know, Kudo relatively in a relatively short time afterwards. Um, I had to wait for my non-compete to, uh, to, to end, um, on that. And then the, yeah, I think the day that it ended, I was like, right, um, <laughs> see you later, we're, we're, we're off to build something else. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I came into to, to Kudo as one of the as one of the co-founders, and the um, you know my, my role was really um, to look after. So we were ideating kind of four brands um, at the time. So all all of them would be doing the you know still the same principle. It's like how can we monetize people's devices? Mm. Um, so we yeah, had four brands, and then myself and Nuno, another co-founder, we 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 kind of. The, the idea was that we would manage to each effectively, but you know, that's very early stage and it was always going to evolve and, you know, um, the business plan would, would, would pivot and you'd find where the, that kind of product market fit is. 
um, and uh, and go from there. But you know, the journey really from has, uh, from from starting Kudo to now um, has seen you know that startup. You've you've got so many hats on anyway. But if I kind of look at where that main uh, kind of experience has grown and where I've mainly been involved, then you know it's uh, it's been fundraising as well. So you know that's as a, a heavy investment of time that goes into uh, into into kind of fundraising, building the network, building those relationships. Uh, building the knowledge around it as well you know uh, none of us prior to the the first fundraising round we'd done had ever raised um uh, before an equity because the last business was raised on debt um and so you know there's that kind of uh, learning experience you have to go through and you know now i feel like we've done you know three or four rounds now i feel like you know we're, we're 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 pretty pretty decent at that side of things um and um and then just as the as the team has grown and um you know more um uh, more more roles have come in and the and the technology has changed and evolved as well you know everything has kind of meandered really but but it's still very if i it was uh, to take that kind of high level view um i'm still very much on that kind of sales strategy which has gone all the way back to to c4l mm -hmm. right where that first experience happened when we 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 kind of transitioned it into a channel business and putting together that sales strategy of, of right where do we want to be and how are we going to get there and this is what we need from a team structure and these are the, the process of how we're going to take that you know the different milestones so we can make sure that we don't lose focus and uh with a little bit of fundraising on the side so uh and i'm sure that will again it will evolve over time as uh, as the as the business grows and what were some of the lessons that you learned in your C4L time in terms of starting a new kind of business unit, scaling that unit up, bringing people into the team to kind of deliver that vision? What were some of the things that you learned as a leader in that journey? Yeah, I mean, um, mapping out exactly what those targets are at the beginning is really, really important, right? So um, I think everyone has to have that focal point. Otherwise, it's, it's very difficult to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if you're familiar with what OKRs are, so objectives and key responsibilities, key it's, um, oh, it's, sorry, do you yeah. say key responsibilities or key results? Cause I've known it as it was, key results. Yeah. It's key, it's key results, but it's kind of, I don't know, in, in a way I kind of like to put kind of responsibilities in there, okay. right? Because, because one, okay. this, this is just the way I think, right? It, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's uh, key results. But to get those key results, you need to have the responsibilities absolutely nailed down to to to, to that personal team, right? Which, which is delivering against that that or you know, going to moving towards that OKR, and then I might from that, that derives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then that that creates the KPIs and everything to to help track it. But mm. yeah, having that very 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 clear set of goals, let's uh, right from right from the beginning, and mm. then having the ability to almost put the blinkers on because it's so easy especially when you're in a kind of startup environment where technology's moving so fast you haven't necessarily got a product up and running yet at that time mm. um to go oh that could be cool mm. yeah let, let's let's kind mm. of bring that in right and and that happens you I know mean, happens to all of us right I mean, especially you know, if you have an entrepreneurial mind you say okay that's 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 really good but that's not going to get you to you know to 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 that okr so so really being able to focus in and shut everything else out until we hit that and then it's, of course as soon as you hit that then you can go right okay now right, i can look yeah. at that piece right it wasn't a bad idea i'm not i'm not gonna you know, shun it away forever but 
now is the right time to 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 kind of bring it in. So um that's a yeah, that's a key piece. And then when it comes to 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 team, you know, um there are a lot of people that interview very, very well, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's not necessarily because they've underperformed. It just might not work out for them, right? It might be maybe they've um they maybe it's a they they haven't been able to handle the kind of startup um pressure or the you know the startup mm. pace um maybe it's because the business has slightly changed direction mm. and um and that person the role that they came in for it's you know that's now um that's now changed and stuff like that so um but you know you can also unfortunately hire people and and it just doesn't work out as well so it's really you know we 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 want to set uh, an an awesome culture that anyone that comes in is like instantly feels part of that team, part of that family and, and really, really driven to, to hit the goals and they've, you know, kind of fully invested into the business. And sometimes that doesn't work out and you have to move equally fast to make sure that you're maintaining that culture. Mm. And as difficult as it is and as heartbreaking as it is, sometimes that, that, that can mean that you, you, you have to kind of restructure or change the, the, the team. Uh, and the team members so what have you found to be an effective way to do that well because i think it's something that especially in startups mm. sometimes things do need to move and change quite quickly what are some of the ways that you found to be effective to manage that well yeah i mean clear communication is is first and foremost is is really really important and you know always encourage anyone that's uh, on my team or other teams that you know communication is key and that that can be um that's that's two ways right that's that's me to them and that's them to to, to me as well right so yeah. if there are problems let's let's talk it out right we're we're all here we're all aiming towards the same thing um and um you know most problems can be resolved um yeah. uh, before they become a big big problem they can be resolved Agreed. early days with that communication so that's 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 one piece um I think also just having those kind of those check-ins, um, you know, we're looking at, we set KPIs. So now we know what we're, we're, we're reviewing, right? We can look at those KPIs and you do that with a humanistic approach as well, right? There might be reasons why a KPI hasn't been hit. Um, and that might be something outside of their control. Um, but at the same time, KPIs can be absolutely smashed. Uh, and you think, right, maybe I need to review them. Maybe they're a little bit too easy uh, for, for whatever reason. But you know, that that's yeah. that's the point of them. It gives you that it gives you that base, right, to be able to to uh, create a conversation um around. And um, you know, there've been uh sometimes people come in and, and actually you see that their value is higher in another area, um, either within the team or within the business. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you always want to play to people's strengths. And I think building that team is making sure people are in, I'm going to use football analogy again, but you want to make yeah. sure they're in the right position. The right position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's not about, okay, yeah, you have your sales target. So off you go. It's actually, well, actually, but you're, you're pretty decent on, you know, on the, on the customer success or, or something mm. along those lines. So it's, it's all mm. about making sure people are in that right position and you don't always get that right on day one. Um, you know, following a following an interview. I think that's so true because I feel like in the interview, certain things might come through, but as you start to bed in and work through things, different skills, different strengths come up that you might not have even asked about in the interview. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we have a new closing tradition 
and you are the second person to go through the closing tradition. And it's called Tick Fire Questions. So okay. there's a few questions that I'll ask you and you just kind of rapid answer them and then we go through that. Cool? Okay, let's go. Cool. <laughs> so first one is, what do you think is the difference between a good leader and a great leader? A great leader? Uh, yeah, do you know what? Great leader puts trust uh, in their team. Um, they don't try and micromanage. They let their team have that autonomy. They know uh, they very clearly communicate right at the beginning uh, what they have autonomy with uh, yeah. and empower um, that, that, that team uh, and, and great communication. Trust and communication. Perfect. Do you hire on attitude or skill first? Uh, attitude. Okay. Why attitude? Uh, in the in the in the kind of more sales area, you want people that are hungry, motivated, um, yeah. that are driven, and they're going to create that culture, that competitive culture within the team, mm. um, because then that lifts everyone uh, else up. Um, uh, if I was a CTO, I would probably be doing it on skills. Skill. Okay. So it's uh, it just very much depends on which area of the business. But for me personally, cool. it's attitude first, skill second. Everyone can be well. Most people, should I say, can be trained yeah. um, on the skills part, but the attitude is something that's just inside you. Got it. How do you choose who to promote? Um, whoever's best for the role. Okay. So I think you know, um, yeah, whoever is best for the role is 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 got to be the the kind of candidate that's going to be preferred. But you know, um, that being best for the role isn't necessarily because they're the one that's the highest performer. Mm. Um, you know, it's the one that is going to be the best leader. Mm. Um, and you know, that's uh, that's often a, a different person within the team. So you know, again, it comes down to uh, making sure is it's that they're great at communicating they're putting that trust in um that they um they they have those leadership qualities that they can put the processes in place that they don't mind if there's going to be someone in a, in a sales uh, space they don't mind if there's going to be someone that is earning more than them on commission because they're out there and they're they're smashing the deals right mm, so mm. there's no there's no real a real uh, time or place for that um in the business so yeah it's uh, a combination of all those things Perfect. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh my word! This is. Uh, I thought this was an easy quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 39 years old. I'm sure there's been some advice at times, but <laughs> <laughs> what's the best advice I've ever been given? Um, wow. Um, do you know what? Um, I think this, this is probably going to seem like a, an easy way out um, on here, but I think it's the um, just sit back and listen. Um, you know, from a from a you know, I'm t I'm talking very vocational here. I'm talking about you know, kind of the the sales world, but it does actually translate into your your personal life as well. Is that um, you're going to get a lot further if you stay quiet and listen sometimes um, than just railroad people and continue speaking hmm. that's a great answer i don't think that's a cop out at all that's a great okay, answer good 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 <laughs> <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> and what is the proudest moment of your career so far and do you know what? I, I i genuinely i think the um proudest moment of my career is has been just taking that step forward and becoming a co-founder of uh, uh of a company you know um hmm. 
it was it's a, it was a big risk gone from somewhere where you know okay that business had grown and it had turned into a listed company and it was a very very safe position and I could have you know quite easily gone into a um, used that as a springboard a 10 years experience behind me as a springboard and gone into a, a Google or a Microsoft or an Amazon or something like that but where's the fun in that um so you know um really taking that risk um we looked at various different technologies and they were at such a early stage that they were a risk in themselves of them even being rounders uh you know in a in a couple of years and just go for it and i think you know we're, we're, i i look back with with glee just going you know this has been uh this has been a hell of a ride and we've you know we we're still only halfway down the motorway. We're still, you know, um, yeah. we're still going. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. So that was that was a good moment. Ask me in a few years. It might be a might be a slightly <laughs> different answer. But right now, is you know having the the courage and going for that risk, I think, is a proud moment in my career. I think you touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to understand a little bit more about your decision making process in deciding to leave that company and to start be a co founder in mm-hmm. in the company right now. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about what went into that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there wasn't really much of a decision. I was, uh, you know, it was it was a very, very easy decision for me, um, even with what I've just said about that. Uh, um, yeah, I, do you know what? It's the I, I was kind of sat around when when that when that that previous company was sold. Um, you know, we'd gone from a how we how many people probably fifty fifty five sixty people at the time um, into a business that was now 600 people, um, I think, um, which isn't, you know, it's, it's not, it's a small listed company, but it was still a much, much, much bigger business than what you know we had been in before. When you consider, you know, Microsoft 230,000 people, right? Just yeah. kind of gives, gives some idea. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it just felt like instantly this is, this is what mm. you do, right? There's, there's, there mm. is no room to do this or this because there's someone else to do that. You're, this is what it is. And for me, I'm a creative person. I like to come, I come up with ideas. I like to be involved in those kind of ideas. And, um, and, and that, so it just wasn't a good fit for me, right? So it's a good fit for other people. It wasn't a good fit for me. So, and then that kind of need to have a challenge, which I said right at the beginning, um, all of that, put it into a mixing pot, you know, turn the heat on underneath, it starts bubbling mm. away. And, mm. and before you know it, you're, you're drinking the soup, right? So um, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of, yeah, what, what did it for me? It, it really wasn't a tough decision. Um, but I would encourage anyone that's, that's kind of out there and, you know, listen to this and thinking, you know, mm. I'm, I've got a great idea. Um, I've, I've got the motivation to, to see this through, make it, make it happen. Um, I've got the ability or, you know, I've got it in me that if I, if I make a mistake, if I fail, I can pick myself up. I can, you know, I can go again because you're going to have to do a lot of that, you know, throughout the process, particularly early days. Um, you know, if, if you've got that in you, then, then go for it because, you know, it, it, it will make you happy. It will, it will change your life. And, um, you know, everyone wants to be able to say they get up in the morning and they're excited mm. to be going doing what they're doing right and um that's certainly what i get that's amazing that's amazing thank you so much pete for for your time and for sharing your story really enjoyed our conversation so thank you so much you're you're very very welcome it's been a pleasure and um maybe i'll come back one day i think that should definitely happen excellent 
<laughs> it's been great speaking to you. The, the Podfather as well, which uh, I keep looking down at the name, and I just like uh, it's just giving me no end of joy. <laughs> that is a rich Washington special. I could take no credit for it. He bestowed. <laughs> <on me>. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next episode thank you thanks for listening to what makes you tick and i hope you've enjoyed listening as much as i've enjoyed having the conversation absolutely you don't have to have met someone in real life to be mentored by them right we've all got favorite sales books and hopefully this podcast is giving you access to a whole new tribe of mentors who through their stories and best advice will help you to achieve a bigger and better career in tech. So if you want to never miss a beat, subscribe now and then you'll get notified as soon as next week's mentor releases their story. Thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode.